Praise God. How many here have heard uh, have heard the expression when the going gets tough, the tough get going? How many have heard that expression? Okay, I see a number of hands going up. When the going gets tough, <clears throat> the tough gets going. And that is it's kind of a secular secular message or, or quote, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, that basically says when things in life get going tough or rough, that those people that are tough instead of folding, that's when they really kick into action. Well, the same thing holds for us Christians. Many times when things in our lives are being challenged and, and things are we're having a difficult time in getting through whatever it is that you, we're going through, we may feel like God is not there or God is, uh, you know, just being silent for no good reason. And it can be very, very challenging for us. And many times, even as Christians, we tend to want to give up. You know, we tend to get to get disappointed in things, you know. And we had a message on disappointment and how you need to shut it off before it becomes discouragement. But when the going gets tough in our lives, and it does as Christians, because the Word of God said, Jesus said that, that in this world you shall have tribulations or trials or things that don't don't go your way. But Jesus is greater than those things because he's come to overcome, he came to overcome the world and overcome all those things. So when going gets tough for us Christians, it also has a very sound and very strong um, uh, scriptural basis for doing that. And of course, we always need to get our information from the Word of God. So many times that um, I've had things all of a sudden become rough and tough in my life and there's a natural tendency for you to just want to say oh well so much for that and just kind of give up but no we have to be the other way around we have to say okay things are going tough with me so that means that there's something else happening out there remember last week we talked about what's going on in the spirit realm Lord open my eyes so that I can see what's happening in the spirit realm so we know then when things are getting rough or tough in our lives that there's something going on and we need to kind of go on the offensive and make sure that we just don't wimp out, that we don't get weak need and, and, and just want to fold up like a cheap suit. Amen? So when the, when the tough, when things are tough and whatnot, then we need to start getting go, get going. Let's go to Psalm. Go to the book of Psalm. Psalms uh, 119. And we've got a lot of scripture to cover today, but, uh, you know, Holy Spirit's in charge, and I'm going to let him guide as always to get us to where we need to be. Amen. For God's honor and glory, and also to set us free from things that we may be unaware of. Psalm 119, verse 25. Psalm 119, verse 25. My soul, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thou, thy word. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. So the first thing that we see here that we have to remember that where it says, uh, strengthen me according to thy word, that when things start going rough or tough in our lives, the first thing we need to do is to pray, of course, and to take our worries to God, to turn them over to God, and to also re- refer to God's word. We can always find help and advice and guidance in the Word of God. I don't care what the subject matter is, what it is that might be coming up in your life. The first thing you need to do when things get tough in your life is, the first thing you do is to pray, Lord help me, 
whatever it is that's in your heart. And you don't need to look for fancy King James language, scriptural words to start spouting out to God. A simple heartfelt, Lord, help me. This is my situation, etc., etc. And then you need to go to the Word of God. Okay? We also see in Proverbs 23, if you go to Proverbs 23... Proverbs 23, and go to verse number 18, okay, Proverbs 23, as long as we are on this planet earth, we are going to have challenging times 23 verse number 18 for surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off hear thou my son and be wise and guide thy heart in this way okay so please please put a bracket around 18 and 19 because what that is saying is that surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off hear these things and be wise and make sure your heart is going in that direction your future is secure Okay, your future is secure. You got to rest assured knowing that no matter what pops up in your life, no matter how challenging it may seem, no matter how devastating it may seem, no matter how hopeless it may seem, and no matter how or why you cannot explain why things happened or why things changed, why things went in a different direction, you got to rest in the fact that with God, your future is secure. All right. So I don't care if you had a plan for so and so to happen. All of a sudden it falls through. Those plans don't work out. The first thing you need to remember, I'm secure in God. In other words, there's nothing that this change in plans or what's happening to me right now, no way is that going to be threatening to me. Certainly, definitely not on a long-term basis because your future is securing God, first of all. I mean, if you really want to go to the end of the game, we all know where we're going to be at the end of the game and that's in heaven with God. So that future is certainly secure. And day-to-day, our future is secure also because whatever happens in your life, God permits to happen for a reason. Okay? Even if it's something that seems to you to be a negative thing at that particular point in time it seems like something is not going to work for you you got to get to the habit of where you're resting assured that your future is secure and that whatever is happening right now the slight change in in plans if you will god is behind it and is going to make a better thing happen for me that is going to work out exactly exactly right okay go to hebrews 6 Okay, I'm giving you some foundational things here, and then we'll really get into the heart of the message. Hebrews uh, 6. Hebrews 6, and... Okay. Hebrews 6, and we'll start with uh, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Praise the living God. Therefore... Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So now, underline here, we're leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Underline principles. Okay? Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go into perfection. Underline perfection. And draw a line out to the margin and write the word maturity. 
Because we are as human beings, we will never be perfect, but we do mature in Christ, okay, as we become more knowledgeable uh, in the Word of God and closer to God. Okay, leaving the principles or the fundamentals of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, or let us go on into maturity, not laying again the foundation, underlying the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So what he's saying there is let us move away from the fundamental things, okay? We all know the basics about our faith. We all know the fundamentals. So what this is saying, let us now start getting into some more heavy-duty things concerning the Word of God and concerning the Lord, okay? There's the fundamental things that we all start learning about when we come to Jesus, when we start going to church, and as we're praying and reading the Word of God, there's, there's the fundamental stuff that we know about Christianity is always there. Now he's saying, let's move on to maturity. Verse number two, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So that's some of the foundational things he's talking about. What baptism is all about, the laying on of hands, you know, uh, laying on of hands and the use of hands, just as a kind of a sidebar here, <clears throat> is, uh, is about 15, 15 references in the Bible about the use of hands. About 15 references in the Bible about the use of hands. One of the things you should understand also in going back to, to praising God and when you are praying to God, all right, and so many scriptures talk about lifting our hands to God and so many of the songs that we sing say lifting your hands to God. The use of hands is very, very important, all right. And when we are praying, the same way when I pray for you all here and there's a laying on of hands, it's done with an outstretched palm that way and then you're touched and so on. If I am blessing the Congregation, it is done with my palm outstretched like that. But we are praying to God. And we are praying to God. Now, this is a sidebar here, but I feel I need to share this with you. But we are praying to God. When you start your praying, and you know, we always talk about thanking God and blessing God. When you're praying to God and you're by yourself and you're praying Him, your palms of your hands are pointed outward because you're sending your blessing to God. When you get to the point where you are asking a supplication, there are supplications, or you're asking from God, or you're asking for an infilling of the Holy Spirit, your palms are turned inward like this, because this is where you are receiving from God. So we're blessing God with the outturned palm, and then when you're talking about receiving from God, you're asking for an anointing, then your palms are turned inward, because this is God pouring out to you and blessing you with it. So here he's talking about the fundamental, the doctrines of baptism and the laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those are the fundamentals. Then he goes on to say, verse number 3, and this, and this will we do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and powers of the age to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs fit for them by whom it is tilled receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation though we, uh, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous. Now listen to this. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Please underline that. For God is not unrighteous to forget um, your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Please put a bracket around verse number 10. 
Okay, okay. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Please in the line, we desire that every one of you show due diligence. And you be not slothful, underline, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith, underline faith, and patience, underline patience, inherit the promises. So what it's saying there in verse number 10 is, is that moving away from the fundamental things, get into a deeper understanding that in verse 10 there, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You don't think God knows your heart? God knows how much you love him. God knows how much you, 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 you strived to, uh, to, to be approved of him. God knows how at the appointed times you've ministered to other people in terms of you've talked to other people, you've shared the love of Jesus with them. God knows the times when people were going astray that you counseled them. You know, now maybe you did not assume a pastoral role or maybe you didn't assume a counselor's role formally, but by virtue of the fact that you spoke to someone and you tried to encourage them and gave them the word of God, shared with them the word of God. You didn't give them some demonic, demonic advice. You pointed them towards God. You ministered them. You told them about God. God hears that and, and God loves that and God, and God honors it. So what this is saying here is that, is, 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 is don't give up. God, God remembers what, what you've done for him. So when this challenging thing comes into your life, this thing that has you so, that's making your life tough and rough, remember, first of all, God remembers what you did. So God, God is not the kind of person, you know, have you ever done a good thing for someone and then they've kind of repaid that good thing with something mean? You know, done something really wrong to you or talked about you like a dog, you know. And you may catch yourself saying, I'll be darned, you know. So-and-so said that about me and did this to me and all that I've done for them. All that I've said, you know, all the work, all the good things that I've done. Well, God does not forget those things, all right. So, when things are going tough or rough in your life, first of all, you've got to remember that. That God honors and will honor the good that you have done. Now, hopefully you haven't been out there living like a hellion where things are just so bad off that you've got no good things to show in your life, Amen. Amen. But you've got many good things and God, on, God knows that and he will honor that. So that's something else you need to think about when things start being be, developing that are tough in your life. When things get tough, okay, the tough in Jesus get going. We don't wimp out. Let's go to the book of Luke. Book of Luke. Okay. So we see there that God does not forget what you've done. Luke chapter 10. Trying to give you some foundation here as to why, as to why, our, um, as to why God, uh, you know, will, will not just desert you when things start going tough in your life, and that when things are going challenging, that we just shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't get so bent out of shape and get so discouraged that we just forget that God is there. Okay, Luke number ten and verse number thirty-eight. Verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her there, uh, therefore that she helped me. So to get the picture clear in your mind, you got these two women there whose sisters, okay? Martha is sitting there and, and then there's Mary. Martha, while Jesus was there, Martha was busy running around the house being a hostess. 
Now we've all had parties or company over to the house and we know what, it's take, what it takes. To, you know, people are running around. If it's your home, you're there trying to be the host or the hostess. In the meantime, her sister Mary was sitting there at Jesus' feet, listening to everything that Jesus was saying. Martha, in the meantime, was trying to serve the drinks, was trying to get the bagels and the coffee or whatever it is they were serving, okay? She's trying to get the food out, and she's cleaning, making sure that everyone's got nicely folded napkins. In the meantime, Mary is just kind of sitting there doing nothing. So Martha's saying to Jesus, Jesus, look at me, Jesus, I'm running around trying to keep all these guests happy, make sure their drinks are full, make sure there's food on their plates, and Martha's just sitting there like a lump. You know, and so Jesus comes back and says in verse number 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful. One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. Underline. Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Okay? So what is that heavy saying that Jesus is saying? What, what is he really saying there? He's saying there that when things are going on in our lives, what should be important is focusing on the things of God, not on worldly things. Martha was so concerned that she would have a successful Tupperware party, <laughs> okay, that she'd have a successful Tupperware party, that she was running around doing all of these other things, whereas Mary uh, was saying, gee was, this is what is important. So when things in our lives become tough, the first thing we need to start doing is focusing on what is important. What is important, all right? So you look at what's going on in your life, and you look at this disappointment or this thing that did not happen or this thing that is taking a long time to happen, and you start thinking about now, what can I do to speed up that process, that worldly thing? What can I do to make it work more smoothly? What can I do to help it along? Instead of doing what Mary did and go sit at the feet of Jesus. All right? So what that means to us then in modern times, when that thing that's so troublesome in your life comes up and you don't know what to do about it, and when the going gets tough, you know, what do we do as Christians, we don't try to address the worldly thing, all right, okay, and that may seem that is so counterintuitive to what one would say should be the right thing to do, because there's something going wrong in your life, and and most people secular in the world would say, well, what are you doing about to fix that situation? They will expect your answer to be doing something to address the the situation, you know what I mean? Calling up somebody, writing a letter, you know, or, or getting in touch with somebody, trying to speed it along. But for you to answer, what are you going to do about it? You say, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to run to the Lord, you see. And that's the difference in the thinking, you see. The secular world, when the tough, when, when things get going for the tough, the tough get going, that means jumping into, into, into um, uh, uh, worldly secular actions. Calling somebody, getting on the phone, going face to face, arguing with them, and how come this is not happening? Can't you speed it up? Instead of doing what the Word of God is saying, or what Mary did, is go sit at the feet of Jesus. So that means that in modern day times, that means I've got this issue going on in my life. Instead of getting stressed out about it, I'm going to run to the Lord. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to listen to what He says to me. Jesus was there talking. Poor Martha. She was so interested in the Tupperware and the coffee and making sure everybody was served. She probably didn't hear a word that Jesus was saying. In the meantime, Jesus was sitting there speaking words of wisdom. 
pearls and gems of wisdom she was giving out. Mary was the only one that was, between the two of them anyway, Mary was the one that was smart enough. I'm not going to worry about the Tupperware and the coffee. I'm going to listen to Jesus, you see. So the same thing has to be for us. And it, 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 it's kind of difficult for us sometimes to, it, it, it takes some conditioning. It takes some control on our parts. It takes an act of our will to do that. God has given us these scriptures. God is telling us through his word, this is the way to overcome the tough times in your life. But he's not going to zap us like robots and make us do that. So that means then there's some part, some role that we have to play. And that is that we have to be conscious of this in our lives. That when things get tough, the tough get going. The spiritually tough get going in terms of going to the word of God. Instead of getting stressed out and trying to figure out how am I going to fix the situation. Okay, so Jesus just very just nicely told her there, um, uh, why are you, you, you anxious and troubled about many things? You know, and, and the Lord knows that when we've got an issue going on in our life, there's something tough going on. Boy, there are many things, you see. Because the interesting thing is that whatever that issue is that is making life difficult and tough for you, you stop and you think about it. When you're by yourself and that issue pops up, it's not just that one issue. Because whatever that thing is that's troubling you or giving you a hard time, when you're sitting alone by yourself, your mind, oh boy, the devil has a play day in his, in his mind, in your mind, because not only that one issue, but there's every single connected thing that could be remotely connected to that issue also starts firing off in your brain. So not only are you worried and concerned about the central issue, you start worrying about every single issue that you think could be connected to it. Okay? Why didn't I get this? Why am I not getting this? And then the devil takes your mind to think about this. Oh, well, it's because of the fact that you're always wearing green colored ties. Oh, but it's because of the fact that you could never find a store that doesn't have green ties. Oh, it's because of the fact that you don't have a car. Why don't I have a car? I don't have enough money in the bank. Why don't you have enough money in the bank? Oh, well, it's the job. And the next thing you know, you've got down this whole line of things. Jesus said, Martha, you're concerned about many things. Okay? Many things indeed she was serving. Napkins, coffee, da-da-da. Okay, but in our lives, spiritually, it's the same thing. When that one issue in your life is popping up, very, it, it, it may, start up being, may start out being the central of your core of worry and concern, but then it spreads because then you become worried about many things. Instead of just shutting down the thought process and letting the devil play in your head, instead of just shutting that down and running to the feet of Jesus and sitting down and say, you know what, I'm not going to play this game. All right? I'm not going to play this game. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Get out of my head. Get out of my thoughts. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to go over here and sit at, the, sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to pick up the word of God. I'm going to remember that, gee whiz, I'm not a stranger to the Lord. I've been doing all of these things for many a season, for a long time. The Lord knows I've loved him. I've been trying to minister to so-and-so, my aunt so-and-so, this good old Tilly. I've been trying to talk some sense into her, and so on like that. I've been ministering to my friends. The Lord knows who I am. He's not going to forget me. Amen? And God knows who I am. God loves me, you know? So you've got to believe that, first of all, and know that when you go and knock on God's door, he says, knock and he'll answer. Amen. Seek and you shall find. Amen. 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 Call my call out and draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Remember all of those scriptures say, Lord, here I come. I'm not going to get into being concerned about many things. That's not important. Amen. The reason why you didn't get this thing you've been hoping for, the reason why this situation didn't materialize, the reason why this job didn't happen, the reason this, the reason that, the reason this, God has permitted it to be so, for whatever reason that may be. 
And for whatever reason that may be, if it's God's reason, boy, the Lord knows that's okay by me. That's okay by me because that means he's got a better plan. And I don't know how many times I've seen things fall through or drop out a, a believer's, a Christian's hands where something they were planning for or whatever doesn't come through all of a sudden seems to disappear. God replaces it with something better. God will step in and say, okay, you are here for a season, okay, but it's time for you to get past the fundamental stuff of Christianity. And you see, everyone sitting in the sanctuary, because I know you all, have been in the Lord long enough to be past and beyond the fundamental things of, of Jesus. We know about baptism, know the things that were mentioned, okay? All right, all right. No one in this room is a babe, born-again child of God. Okay, now, everyone, myself included, you know, we go along a path of life in terms of Christian maturity, and that will never end until we go to be with the Lord. So no one should ever think that they are better or more informed than another Christian. Amen. We all progress. We all progress according to how much we want to know God and how much we want to reach out and how much we want to learn of Him. Amen. But God knows who you are. He knows who you are, okay? So get past the fundamental things and get to the heavier discussions, and that is, what do I do when a challenge comes in my life? Am I, do I concern myself about many things, or do I go and sit at the feet of Jesus? Amen? Move on to Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll start at verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is before us. Please in the line, let us run with patience the race that is before us. Okay? First of all, as we're going through this challenge here, uh, and things are being tough, all right? The word of God here equates it to, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. In other words, those other weights and the sin in our lives can so easily sidetrack us, come upon us. But let us run with patience. Run is, 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 is a word that's interesting how it's used because it doesn't say walk. It doesn't say to drag your feet. But it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's a race that is set before you. This journey through life that we just kind of just take so for granted every day that we get up, you know, it is, it is indeed a race. Now, a race implies what? Competition. It implies that there's someone competing against you. Well, the devil would be competing against you. He would be trying to, trying to hinder you in every single way that he possibly, possibly can. But in running this race, though, this is different than in the worldly sense because the Word of God is saying that we need to set aside some patience. So that means then that this race is a, it's, it's a constant, methodical sort of race that we're running. 
It, it's a constant push. We don't set back and, and, we, and we don't give up. It isn't something that we just get into life. Run, ra- running a race, in this case, it, it certainly isn't helter-skelter. You know, it, it, it's plotting our direction and it's being patient. Now, being patient is so important because not everything that we pray for is going to materialize when we think that it should materialize. Amen? We all operate on our own time schedules and we all, I mean, obviously we live in a, 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 a time-defined life experience. There's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But for God, there is no yesterday, today, and, for, and tomorrow. There's always forever for God. God is in a state of constant now. Amen? But so we have this thing where we want to set the time for God to deliver things for us or to us. Amen? And so many times when, you know, we say, okay, Lord, I'm praying to, I'm praying to you for this, and today is Sunday. Boy, it'd be great, Lord, it'd be great if I hear an answer for you from you Monday morning. Would 9 o'clock be okay by you, God? A.M. Amen. And so you sit, lay down, and you go to bed, all right, and you wake up 9 o'clock, and you open your eyes, boom, you know. It's like going downstairs Christmas morning looking for your Christmas gifts. You expect them to be there, okay. Well, God, you know, that's working on our time, okay. Working with God, everything is in God's time, you see. If you ever had to plan any kind of event, whether it's a party or whether to the biggest thing being a wedding, you know that there is much that goes into it. And there are steps. There are things that have to be done in a certain manner. Anything that is big in life, has, there's a plan to it. And it's got to be done step by step. Amen? Now, we can identify with those kinds of plannings. You know, a wedding, a birthday party, or something, something of that. Okay, but can you imagine what God is doing dealing with planning everything in your life? We're not just talking about events that will be happening a year from now or a year and a half or six months from now or next week. We're talking about a lifetime. A lifetime of many, 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 many people. Amen. So now, not that God is so stressed out that he has to, um, um, he can only do things because of the fact that, oh, I'm just too busy to get this done for Michael, so therefore he's got to wait a little bit. God is very methodical also. In planning whatever that thing is that you're praying for and that you're waiting for, God is moving things out of the way. He's constructing things. He's working other situations so that when the timing is right, when God is ready to open that window of blessing from heaven and dump it on you, that everything is in place, that everything is in line, you see. So when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus and this tough thing is coming up in our life, you know, and and, and you're listening to the words of Jesus, the other thing Jesus is going to say is that you need to exercise some patience. This this is this 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 is a race that we're running. There's a competition out there. The enemy would love to see us not finish this race. So we have to be aware of that fact. And and God did not say, you know, this is not a uh, to put it, I guess, in running terms. This is not a sprint. This is a long-term marathon. This is a thing that goes on for all of your life until Jesus returns or you go home to be with the Lord. Amen? So you're in a race. So you've got to exercise some patience as you're doing this thing. But recognizing the fact that God hasn't forgotten who you are. God knows who you are. And God honors those who don't give up. God honors those who constantly run back to his feet and are asking him for prayer, asking him for guidance, asking him for direction. You see? So God is saying here, first of all, to, that, that this race... To, uh, to run it with some, run it with patience. Uh, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author, oh, let me just stop for a minute. Let us run with patience the race that is set before you. Underline set before you. Okay? So this means that it's something that's been put before you. You did not necessarily choose the direction in which you're going. 
Amen. This is this race that we call Christianity. This race that we call the love of the Lord. This race has been set before us. We had a choice. All of us sitting in this sanctuary had a choice of whether or not we were going to enter into this race. In my mind, those that choose not to take up the cross, take up the Lord, to follow Christianity, to me, in my mind, that's a cop-out. Because what does it say about, uh, about um, wide is the gate to destruction, but narrow is the path to righteousness? All right, I'm paraphrasing here. Amen. So it's not always easy to run the race that the Lord sets before us. It's so easy to run, to, to run a race that, that the devil has defined and you just go on and follow after that. So the race that has set, been set before you that you chose to take up. All right. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Underline, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. All that we have in terms of faith is, can be summed up in Jesus. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Alright? So what he's saying there now is, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured the cross. Remember when Jesus said, Father, let this cup, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, however, not according to my will, your will be done. Jesus knew what he had to go through. Alright? But it says though, who knew for the joy that was set before him. Jesus knew what the end game was going to be. Amen? So he knew that short term he would have to go through this suffering. Short term he'd have to go through these challenging times. Short term was going to be tough. But Jesus knew the joy that was before him. What was, what was going to be the end game, his uh, accomplishment. And it said that at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. All right. So consider that he endured the the contradiction of sinners against sinners against himself or everything that came against him. Unless you be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus didn't faint, but why do we faint in our minds? Fainting in your mind is giving up. That's when things in your life get tough, and you lose sight of the fact of the long term game. So whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, whatever it is that might be going in your life that you're considering to be very, very tough, look at, look long term, look knowing that what God is going to do, what God is going to bring you through is going to be better off than where you are right now. And don't faint in your mind. Fainting in your mind is simply giving up. Simply giving up. And that's what happens when you, when you see people that don't know the Lord and, and there are challenges going on in their lives. Instead of going to the feet of Jesus and instead of running to God in prayer and reading the word of God, they just simply give up and they say, well, you know, you, you, call, them, you call them 10 o'clock during the day for some reason and they're still in bed. Why aren't you up? Well, I couldn't make it today. You know, they're sitting there wallowing in their tears and so forth like that. I didn't feel like getting up. Why not? Well, I got this day ahead of me and blah, blah, blah. And so they're still in bed, covering their heads up and, and, and fainting in their minds. You see, we as children of God, we don't faint in our minds. I don't care what that issue is that may come into your life that right now seems so tough and seems so challenging. We look ahead at what is to come. And we know, knowing, and that thing to come is that God is going to bring you through. Verse number four. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. In other words, you have not been put up. You, you have not had to go through what Jesus went through. All right? You have not yet resisted unto blood. In other words, you haven't gotten to the point where you've been tortured, where you've shed blood. 
Look what Jesus went through. That's the point that's being made here. Jesus stayed the course knowing what the end game was going to be, the salvation of mankind. He knew that he was going to suffer pain. He shed a lot of blood. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was humiliated. So what this thing is, is that we do not have to do that. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto sons. My son, despise not thou the chastening, chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. You know, there are times where God may chasten us for whatever reasons. Maybe we made a bad decision. Maybe we made a bad choice. There's a time that God will indeed chasten us. For whom, verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? All right? So if we endure whatever God may be permitting us to go through, all right, he's permitting us to go through, first of all, because he loves us as his children. You see, he loves us as his children. But if you be without chastisement, of which all are partakers, excuse the line, of which all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. All right? So if God did not chastise you, if you go without chastisement, which all partakers, Christians, um, will go through, that means then that he'd be treating you like a bastard, not as a son or a daughter. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and gave them reverence. Shall we not much better be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? All right? So in other words, then we've all had parents who chastised us. Okay, we all had parents that that stopped or prevented certain things from happening or, or, or getting our way in some particular cases. But how do we feel about our parents? Amen. Did we stop loving them? Hopefully you didn't. Okay, did we stop loving them because of that? You see? So it says that further, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subject unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now let's just pause there for a moment. If God is, is withholding something from us, and at times it could be a chastisement, it could be a chastisement, and I have to go here, it could be a chastisement because of us making a bad decision. So many times we want things in our lives, so many times it may be something that we're praying for, and maybe God has told us don't go in that direction, but we insist and we do it anyway. So many things that we are oftentimes, many things that we could be praying for, is not what God wants for us. Amen. So God may be holding back because this is a, this is a lesson. This is a lesson where God is showing you that it's because I love you that I'm not going to let you go down this path. It's because I love you. Alright? And, and, and we know that, that you know, a, a, a parent will a parent will discipline us. It can be for a couple of reasons. A parent will discipline us. I know when I was coming up and I wanted to go out to a party late at night and being someplace, being with people that my mom and dad did not want me associating with, okay, that that was indeed for my, my own well-being because they knew that I'd be around a bad bunch and could potentially get into trouble, all right? Then again, a parent could be chastising a child simply because they want to, for their own benefit, to show who's the boss. Alright? With God, that chastisement that he's doing, it's because he loves us. And he knows that if he didn't chastise us, then that he wouldn't be treating us like a child. You know? Like his own child. We'd be like some some bastard kid. Alright? So what this is saying is that if God permits us to get in a situation that um, is not 
what we would like it to be is not going in the direction we'd like it to go. It could be because we opted to go in a direction that God really didn't want us to go into. All right? And so he's chastising you, first of all, because he loves you, and also to teach you that this is not where you need to go. This is where you shouldn't be going. Um, it says there again, um, 12... Verse 10, for they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. So whenever God is chastising us, it's for our benefit. It's not, it's not just for his, it's for our benefit. So if God is not, if you're not getting something that you've really, really been praying for and you think that you need and you think should be coming your way, if it's not coming your way, it could be because of the fact that something God does not want you to have and God does not want you to go there. All right? So what he's permitting to happen to you is for your benefit, is for your profit. That we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11. Now, no, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Do you enjoy going through challenging times? It's like, you know, beat me, I love it. <laughs> you know? Okay, no one says, no one says that. Oh, just whip me, beat my back, I love it. Give me more, give me more. Alright, no one that I know in their right mind says that. Amen. Amen. No, no chastening for the present time, at the time, seems to be joyous. But grievous. It appears to be grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, underlined, but afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who are exercised by it. All right? So while what you may be going through at the present time does not at all seem, uh, seem, seem a pleasant thing, it is not pleasant when there's something that you've been praying for, hoping for, something that you really, really want is not working out for you. Amen? But it's saying at this particular time it may seem to be grievous. But afterwards, if you continue seeking God and seeking His face and doing what He tells you to do, it yields peaceable fruit and righteousness unto them who are exercised by it. Wherefore, verse 12, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Why do we run around the place with our hands hanging down and with feeble knees? And if you stop and think about it, you know, draw that picture up in your mind. Think about some people, you know, or maybe you've been there when something didn't go right the way you were planning it to be. And I kind of see that picture where you're walking around like this and you're feeble knees. That means that you can barely walk straight. Your knees are knocking together and you're, you're wobbly and your hands are, hands are, you know, it's like you're just a limp biscuit. You know, you're just like a noodle, a wet noodle, you know. Boy, I'm being very descriptive here today, all right? You know, you know, but, but I mean, but, but picture what that means. So, so when, when, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. When the going gets tough in our lives as Christians, we certainly shouldn't be getting weak need, floppy need, and our hands hanging down, you know, like a gorilla dragging on the ground for crying out loud. Lift up, it says there, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Here we go again, lifting the hands in, pray, in praise. And make straight paths for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet. Unless that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Okay? So that means you, you, you lift up your hands and you start praising God. And with some determination, you set your feet. You know? Where am I, where am I setting my feet? I'm setting my feet to the throne. I'm setting my feet to walking towards to where God is. I'm not going to sit around with my knees all weak and limp and whatnot and my hands hanging down. I'm going to lift my hands up. I'm going to start praising God. And I'm going to point my feet toward the throne. Amen? So in everyday terms, I've got a tough thing that's going on. I'm not going to wimp out. I'm not just going to lay down and start saying, poor me. You know, or why God? How come God? You know, I mean, this and that. First of all, know that God knows who you are. 
God knows how faithful you've been to him. God knows that during the times when you had other difficult times in your life, that you ran to him in prayer. You didn't desert God, and of course God did not desert you, you know. The funny thing is, and the interesting thing is how the devil can play in our minds in such an insidious fashion. When these challenging and tough times come into our minds, you know, and you're, you're making that connection of all of the reasons why this thing is not happening for you, you know, you've got it worked out to the nth degree, like I was saying before, the green tie, the store, the no card, the blah, blah, blah. You're thinking about all those attached things. How come we don't stop and think about Well, gee whiz, the last time I had a tough time, the last time where I didn't know where ends were going to meet, the last time, the last time, the last time, this is what God did. This is how God came through. God's timing was perfect. God knew that. How did God realize? God did this, God did that. You know, how quickly we seem to forget those things. Amen? Amen? So, first of all, that's one thing that we should not do. You've got a tough thing in your life, remember back to what God has done for you before. If you're a child of God, trust me, this is not the first tough time that you've had. And you stop and think about it. Anyone in this sanctuary that has a challenging time right now, a tough time that they're having right now, stop and think about it. This is not the first time you had a tough time. Amen? God brought you through before. And God will bring you through again. But it's, it's amazing, though, how we will remember, you know, you know with crystal clarity, you know, the, the negative things, the things associated with the reasons why I shouldn't or couldn't perhaps get this thing that I'm praying for. There's a host of reasons why. With crystal clarity, you can focus and picture those but what about the clarity of the picture of when God blessed you and brought you through out of a similar tough situation amen so unlike the world you know when the tough when the tough comes up you know the tough get going the tough Christians go to the word of God the tough Christians go, go, go to the feet of Jesus the tough Christians go to the cross the tough Christians go in prayer the tough Christians the tough Christians the tough Christians cry out to God amen and we remember how God brought us through before Amen. Amen. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that lame is turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, underline the word diligently, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness, underline root of bitterness, springing up, trouble you, and by it many be defiled. Okay? Okay, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble. You see, now, looking diligently, we will diligently go looking for other things. We will diligently almost figure out and find reasons why um, these things that I'm praying for and hoping for can't materialize. We need to diligently go after the Word of God, okay? And if you're not careful there, all right, this root of bitterness... You don't know how many times that when people have had challenging, Christians have had challenging things happen in their lives. And in talking to me about it, I hear a bitterness. I hear a bitterness. And many times I said, all right, be careful now. Be careful where you're going with this. Sounds like you're blaming God. Oh, no, I'm not blaming God. I'm not blaming God. I'm not blaming God. But how come? How come? How come? How come? Don't go there. Don't start thinking that this is not happening in my life or this is happening in my life because of something that God did because God's turned his back on me because God doesn't like me or or God is just being God and he does whatever he wants to do and never thinks about me. Don't go there because you can wind up developing a root of bitterness. You've got to be careful. When things are going tough in your life, 
Make sure that you keep things in, for, into perspective here, knowing that God loves you and that God knows who you are, as we said, first of all. And that God is in charge. Whatever things need to come to pass, God is indeed working them out. Because you don't want to get into a root of bitterness here, and especially a root of bitterness against God. Looking diligently. So that means we need to seek God diligently when, when, the, when the times are tough and the tough get going. We need to look diligently. Diligently means not, not haphazardly. It means w- w- with, with purpose, by design. You you know, to seek God. Unless any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, uh, and by it many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. And we'll pause, we'll pause there. So we see it now. The whole, this whole section here is talking about understanding that there could be a time where because maybe you made a bad choice, that God may be chastising you. But if he is chastising you, it's only because he loves you. All right? It's only because he loves you. And at that particular time, if he is chastising you because of a bad choice, then God, just like our earthly parents, you know, well, why did you punish me? Well, it's because you came in at midnight and I told you 10 o'clock. Your parents will certainly tell you why. If you go to God, God will certainly tell you why also that at this particular point in time, if it is chastisement, why God is chastising you, all right? It does not mean that every single time something is not working in your life that God is chastising you. I'm just pointing out to you that there are reasons why things don't always happen in our lives. But the bottom line is still, even if you made a wrong choice and God is chastising you, God will correct you and tell you, and tell you what you did wrong so you can correct it. If there is not chastisement there, but God is simply... Uh, of doing whatever it is he needs to do, that you rest assured knowing that God knows who you are, that God is working out a plan for you, and that you will, you will wind up benefiting by his plan. The last scriptures here in closing is good old Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Verse... 20, Matthew 12, verse 25. Matthew 12. Nope, that's not where I want to go. Not 25. The scripture that I wanted to visit, where where Jesus says, where Jesus said, "Come all, come unto me." Oh, there it is. Uh, Matthew 11. Sorry. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time. Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. All right? There are many, many things that God holds, withholds from the so-called wise and the prudent. Um, as we know, the scribes and the Pharisees had the faintest idea where Jesus was coming from. All they could see was that Jesus was talking this new message that was upsetting their apple cart. They weren't going to be the, the, the proud and the famed people that they were, you know, espousing themselves to be or had been. And so that's all they knew. But God hides certain things from those who don't understand him okay, and reveals them unto babes. 
Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me by my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father except the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Okay, so Jesus reveals the Father unto us. Verse 28, come unto me all, this is in the line all, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, do not forget that scripture. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So when you've got that tough thing going in your life, and you're burdened, and the Lord knows that when you've got this tough thing going in your life, whatever that may be, it's a burden. It's a burden because you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out what steps, to, what steps to take. What should you do next? How much longer can I live in this existence? How much longer can I persist in this job or whatever the situation might be? Amen, amen. And it's a burden to you. It feels like a weight. So the first thing you got to do, just like, you know, uh, Jesus told, told Martha that Mary is focusing on what's important. And that was listening and being at the feet of Jesus and listening to his words, okay? So Jesus is saying, to come unto him all that labor and are heavy, uh, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, please underline my, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, underline learn, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your soul. Please underline, you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke, underline my yoke, is easy, underline easy, and my burden is light, underline and my burden is light, okay? So what all that is saying is saying, if you're heavy laden and you're burdened, to come to Jesus and he'll give you rest. And the burden, you know, it's, again, it's speaking in farming terms, but, you know, like they were an agrarian culture. Imagine an oxen that's pulling a load. The oxen had a yoke around its neck. It was that thing that connected him to the wagon or plow, whatever he was pulling. And that yoke was, was that ox's burden. And that ox pulled and pulled, and it was a heavy burden. Okay? So Jesus is saying, all you who are, 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 are heavy laden and burdened like that, get rid of that yoke and take upon yourselves Jesus' yoke. So, in other words, you've heard the, you've seen the Apostle Paul writing that, you know, I, I am a slave to Jesus Christ, you know, I am a prisoner of Jesus, amen. So, we're, we're yoked and we're laden to Jesus Christ. But the, the yoke of Jesus Christ is a lot easier than the yoke that you're carrying when things are not going right in your life. When you're carrying that burden of worry for that thing that is tough in your life, that you're struggling with or not understanding why things are being drawn out or protracted and you're feeling that burden and again I know because I've been there from time to time you know when you've got something that's worrying you and you're trying to figure it out it, it's a burden you're not that your, your usual self you're not jovial you're not joking you know you're not talkative much you just feel like you're kind of dragging around that's a yoke it's a burden so Jesus is saying to get rid of that yoke and take upon yourself the yoke of Jesus. Being tied to Jesus is so much easier, you know. Because being tied to Jesus, first of all, you know that all you have to do is to give it to him. So the burden becomes very, very light. Because you're not going to be carrying anything. Amen. We all remember that footprints, sand in the footprints. 
poster we've all seen, you know, where, where for all of those years I saw these footprints in the sand, and then all of a sudden, uh, um, you know, there were two footprints with Jesus walking beside me, and all of a sudden I saw one set of footprints, you know, and Jesus said, yeah, one set, because that's when I was carrying you. Amen? Amen? So if we're yoked to Jesus, Jesus' yoke and his burden is easy and light. Amen? So take Jesus' yoke upon you. Don't try to figure out this thing when things go wrong in your life. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't try to find a solution. You go crazy trying to figure out the why, first of all. You know? If God wants you to know why, he'll tell you. You know, if you feel that if you're being chastised for some reason, God will certainly tell you because he's doing it for your benefit. If there's some other reason why whatever it is that you've been praying for and hoping for is not materializing, it's still, it's, it's for God's, it's, it's God's will and you will still wind up benefiting by it because God's not going to do anything or give you anything that's going to hurt you. He's not going to leave you in a situation that won't be beneficial to you, you know. Even through the time that you're waiting. Even through the time where you're going through this process and you're waiting to see God's end game reveal itself to you, you're benefiting because you're learning patience. You're learning patience, you know. And and the Lord knows again that that's a lesson that you learn over time. Because when things happen in my life, you know, they'll be challenging and and I have to fight back also, just like the rest of you, you you, you know, to to, to not give in to feeling defeat or to to give in to unwarranted worry and anxiety. I'm just like you when it comes down to that. But I do remember the Lord and I try to as quickly as possible bring myself back to the promises of God, you see, and that's where you'll find your peace, right? Because in the end game, in the final analysis, what you do wind up with, all right, the latter will be better than the former. Where you will be later on will be better off than where you were before. Just say we as human beings, we get so impatient because things seem to take forever to unveil themselves. Well, God has a reason in many cases for letting things just draw out. There's a reason. God is working something else, moving a person here, moving the situation out of here. We're protecting you from harm. Amen? Amen? So during that time, when it's just being patient, don't let yourself get burdened with that. Take the yoke of Jesus and say, Jesus, you give it. You take it. Lord, you carry me, like the footprints showed. Amen? Amen? So again, hope this message has hit a spot for you. And when the going gets tough, the Christian person, amen, gets going. Amen? We don't fold. We don't sit back and fold and worry about um, how we're not going to succeed. We give it to the Lord. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.